With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin, and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. It's a full house, six fields, in this league mixture between Northampton and Bradford Park Avenue. The players look resplendent in their new t-shirts, and look at these fans in their replica outfits. Spiffing, dear boy. Good show. And there's a goal. Northampton's inside right celebrates by handing his top to a man in the crowd. He'll treasure that for years to come. You don't have to travel back in time to look as resplendent as a 1930s football team. Just visit the It's All Cobblers to Me store on teespring.com. The referee blows his whistle. Another fine win for the boys in Clarence. Good show. Tell me, it's 1920. What is a podcast? Did you hear us on the radio? again and he's got it Gavin was closing in oh Gavin has scored Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three yes! Yes! Get it! hello Cobblers fans I'm Charles and this is It's All Cobblers to Me sponsored by bonuslibrary.co.uk the season is almost over with just one game left to play. Kelvin did a Facebook Q&A and Neil forgot all about his work's Easter party. So it's just myself and Danny this week for the only podcast about Northampton Town Football Club. Hello, mate. How are you? You OK? Yeah, I'm good. Missing Neil, to be honest, but um, nothing actually, but obviously missing Neil this week. Uh, good luck to Neil at his Easter party. Um he might pop on later, but maybe. <laughs> it might do. It might do. Just... <laughs> He'll come on and just give his prediction at the end. Yeah, very sensible one. I'm sure it will be as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, definitely. But, um, yeah. Miss you, Neil. Come back soon. Be good. He won't be. So we start with the big news this week, which is that Keith Curl helped a man find his watch. Did you see that story, Danny? It, it's the big news of the week, isn't it? Um, it is definitely nothing else happened. <laughs> so I'm assuming um, that he wa- it wasn't um, found in some sort of designer kit bag, or else Cole wouldn't have helped him, would he? 
<laughs> no, he doesn't seem to like the uh, designer footballing trending things anymore, does he at all? No, if it Not was, like if that it in was, my day. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what it's like. And if, if it was some <laughs> pair of Bose headphones, he would never have helped him, would he? He would have probably kicked him down the down the stand or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so if you don't know what we're talking about, on, on Good Friday night... Cobblers fan Matt Selwood realised he'd lost his watch at the game and uh, went back to Sixfields to see if he could get in there to go and have a look and try and find it. And when he got there, the stadium was, of course, closed up. Um, And the only person that was still around was Keith Curl, who actually let Matt back into the stadium, took him up to where his seat was, luckily found the watch just obviously there on the floor, um, and then gave Matt a stadium tour, had a quick chat, took a selfie, and then said goodbye. So, good Samaritan there, Keith Curl, doing the business once again. It's very, um, what's that movie? The Christmas Carol. Very Christmas Carol about it, isn't it? I mean, firstly, I want to know why, how that watch got off his wrist in the first place at a football match, where he jumped up. Did we score on Good Friday? Yeah, we scored a couple of goals on Good Friday, didn't we? 3-1. Um, maybe it came off when he was celebrating the goal, jumping around. Um but when he come back, it feels a bit like there was the ghost of Christmas present, uh, Easter present. Sorry, uh, Keith Curl in in the in the stand. Maybe he came across the ghost of Easter past on the way in. What was it, Ryan Gilligan or something like that on the way on the way in? And on his way out, maybe he met the ghost of Easter future. I don't know who that would be. Who do you think that could be? Um, um, a beer, eh? Jabo Abira. Jabo Abira. <laughs> Ghost of Easter Future on the way back up the steps. <laughs> it's a nice story, though. Well done, Keith. Uh, good, to, good to see the human side of Keith creeping in there. It certainly was good to see. There was also um, a beer festival on, the first ever Sixfields Beer Festival. Um, did, did you partake in a tipple or two, Danny? <laughs> I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, fair to say uh, a couple of Yeovil fans definitely did. Um, based on the facts of when we walk past, we got called some uh, dirty northern uh, people. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the benefit of the podcast there. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I saw yeah. on Twitter that there was, uh, I think this was actually uh, Mark Webber from Radio Northampton who, who put a photo on saying that the beer festival team obviously had realised that it was Yeovil that we were playing and the picture was of about seven or eight bag-in-box ciders. <laughs> that, that were all there, and it was obviously insinuating that that's all that people in Yeovil drink. <laughs> obviously, I used to live in Somerset. That's just cider everywhere. There's nothing else. Not even Coke. You just it's just cider. Um, but yeah, they, they, looked, they had a lovely old time until uh, till about quarter past four, I think, in the afternoon. Um, and then I'm thinking it probably hit them, and they probably returned there on the way home. Uh, yeah, probably, it's w- still there now, I would think. <laughs> we'll come on to what actually happened with Yeovil a bit later. But the real news, of course, um, from this last week um, was the Facebook Q&A that Kelvin Thomas decided to do on the back of, presumably, the trust statement that was released the week before. Um there were a few things that did come out of that. Now, I know that there was a lot of fans on social media who thought that this was just going to be another PR exercise and we weren't going to learn anything at all. Um, do you think that is what it turned out to be, Danny? Um, I personally didn't learn a lot more, I, I, apart from, obviously, the the most important question of the favourite pizza topping um, that was cheese, I think, was the answer, wasn't it? It was, yes. Um, he so also apologised for being boring. <laughs> well, about the cheese topping. About, or, yes, yeah, yeah, not about anything else. <laughs> not <in> general, yeah. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, Kevin. Um, I wasn't accusing you of being yeah. boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know. I didn't learn a, an awful lot. I mean, it was, I was trying to follow it on, on the train home and, I mean, I might have missed a few things, but it seemed a lot like people were asking the obvious questions about the East Stand, and he kept referring them back to the to the statement earlier in the year and stuff, didn't he? So I, I do think it was a response to the trust statement. Um, wasn't a coincidence about the timing, but don't think we learned a great deal. 
No, not really. You are right. He did keep referring back to that joint statement made by both the football club and Northampton Borough Council that was released in January, um, which basically said that both parties are, are in discussions and working towards getting the leases all sorted out and um, then hopefully the stadium to be completed. Um, that's essentially <laughs> where we're still at, apparently, you know, four months down the line. Um, there's still discussions going on. There were some other things talked about. Um, the South Stand car park obviously isn't open at the moment. The, apparently the car park is being sold um, and is undergoing due diligence. And when somebody asked Kelvin what's going on with it, are we any closer to basically getting it open again? He replied that, unfortunately, not a lot is happening with that. There's due diligence going on, but until the sale has gone through, We'll have to make do with using the the North Stand gravel car park and uh, the the ones that are closer to the Franklin's Gardens than than are to Sixfields, which is annoying. But nothing the football club can really do about that. We don't really need it till for a few months now, do we? That is true. So. Yeah, thank <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we sorted by August. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, otherwise. Could you imagine? Maybe maybe we'll play our first three games away from home. You know, not because we're getting a new stadium like Tottenham or anything, but it'll be uh, because there's a car park missing. <laughs> yeah, well, we, to be fair, it's a, a lot of it's used by away fans, isn't it? and the, the the likes of Macclesfield and Yeovil haven't been filling it. Let's say. Uh, oh, I think to be fair, there's a lot of fans that park in that in that car park. I tend to It's quicker to get away from at the end than the north. The north is a bit uh, more bottlenecked, I think, to get out of that one. Where so I use the south. It's a lot, a lot quicker. Oh, well, for your purposes, then let's hope it's thanks. It's, it's done. We'll rename it the Charles Commons Car Park. I think you should, to be honest. Um, let's get the petition going. That's my summer project. Now. <laughs> um, the other few other things that were put in was the, the somebody asked the question about whether anybody has come forward to buy the club, and it was confirmed that there has been interest, but not sure that the finances required were there um, from those people. And a lot of people want to own a club without understanding what is really required. Uh, what, what do you make of that, Danny? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably exactly where I expected them to be. Um, I know the trust were putting together some sort of um, potential deal and they, they were potentially waiting for someone to come forward with money. And I think this is exactly where... I expected that to be um, exactly where um, you expect anyone else coming forward to buy it to be, um, and we can't just be can't just be selling the club to someone who hasn't got the finances and who, have, who hasn't got the the right amount of backing behind him because there's just no point, is there? Exactly, yeah, exactly right. I think that's a, that's a fair enough comment for the club to have made. I mean, all in all, I mean, there were a lot of people obviously saying things about, you know, the East Stand not being done. There was one particularly disgruntled uh, fan um, and and who, who launched into a fairly, I won't say harsh, because that's his opinion and that's his belief um, of what's going on in the was situation. It no, it wasn't, Neil. Um <laughs> But the, the the fan, you know, was was very vociferous in giving his opinion, um, and Calvin responded, I thought fairly well, fairly well, by basically saying that, um, you know, there are other things, you know, as much as the, you know, the East End isn't done, there are other bits of the club that have been improved over the last four years, um, you know, and, and and also the 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 question of. The plans for the East Stand came up as well in his response by him basically saying, look, you know, although we can't make these public because of the fact that that's what was agreed by ourselves and the council, the trust have seen those plans. Um, Other people have seen those plans as well, um, he stated. And he then just apologised to say that, essentially, sorry that it's not good enough for you. And I kind of felt like that was a bit like, the club, or Kelvin at least, obviously, just sort of being like, look, I, I can't win everybody over in this situation. I am just going to have to turn around and say, look, you either believe me or you don't. And there's not, at this moment in time, anything I can do to change people's opinion from being negative to a positive. And and I think, actually, from my personal opinion, that's probably true. 
the people that that believe that there is something fundamentally wrong with the club or uh, at least under Kelvin Thomas and David Bauer's ownership, uh, until something can actually be done with that stand, their opinion is not going to be changed. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think people who have got the opinion that they're the next coming of the Cardozas, which in a way you kind of understand because we've been burnt really, really recently by it and it's still the permutations are going on and on. You, so you can kind of understand that a little bit. But I think most people will will definitely kind of not be trusting of, of what's going on. They'll need to know more and more information. They'll need to see plans. Um, and it sounds like some people have seen these plans and the trust have seen the plans, which I wasn't aware of until this Q&A actually that I didn't realise that they'd actually seen them. Um, but I think there's there's definitely a trust issue um, with a lot of people and that and those opinions won't change, will they? No, that's it. They're, they're, they're just not going to change. And it's a shame. Um, but at the same time, I, I completely understand why they're not going to change their opinion. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I happen to believe one thing and the, you know, and other people believe something else. That is how, you know, society works. And that is completely fine in a democratic society like ours. I've got no issue with that at all. Um, but altogether, we all want the same thing, which is for the stadium to be completed, for the football club to be successful, and actually for everyone just to get along. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm just bored of it all now, if I'm honest. Um, just bored of two sides saying different things about one, about you know, from the trusts not. Um, meeting with the club and kind of coming up with something for the club, not not being completely um, visible in everything they're doing. I'm just completely bored of that of that stand being there as a reminder um, of just the information not being clear enough from from both sides of things. And you know, one person saying one thing, one person saying the other. It just it just seems to go around in cycles. And we've we've talked about it so much on here that you know you, you just end up getting in, into a place where you just don't know who don't know who to believe and. I just want to wait and see what happens now. I've just I've become completely um, tired of the whole issue, which is a shame because I want to be kind of interested in looking into everything that people are saying. But I just I can't. I, you know, I haven't got enough energy, perhaps, to to uh, to give it the attention that it, that it needs. Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. So, what happens when the team with the worst form in the league visits Sixfields? Well, the cobblers don't win, of course. It's a long throw from James. A couple of uh, players go down the road. He's given a penalty. Joe Powell is the offender. He puts his hands on his chest to say, What yeah. me go? Abraham's left footed and he scores. Cool penalty. And it's 2 0 to Yogel. And the Cobblers undone at the back. Some lax defending. And there was Jake Gray nipping him from the right wing to keep his call one-on-one with the Cobblers keeper Gornell and just dink the ball over the on-running Cornell to double Yeovil's lead. Lovely piece of skill from Joe Powell, meanwhile. Away from De Almeida. Ready down the line for Williams. Hands across it first time. Deflected on its way in. Oh, no. An own goal from Omar Sawumni. It's 2-2. Daniel Powell slots it in. And he's taken Northampton just 10 minutes in the second half to get themselves back level here. What a way to end the home campaign. Does that game sum up the season for you, Danny? Definitely does. <laughs> and, um, and Mark Webber was asking us last week, wasn't he? For he, he kind of put me on the spot saying, name a game that has defined the season or summed up the season for us. And I, I kind of could only come up with the Easter weekend, but this is a perfect example of exactly what the season's been about. It was horrendous, the first half especially. Just one of the worst performances I've seen again. We've said it time and again. But no cohesion, nothing. And it was... It was dull it was no one was finding their passes um there just seemed to be no one sort of wanting to grab the game and take it to a team that were simply awful themselves i thought and there was booze at half time and understandably so um it was it was a terrible first half let's 
and you could understand people going up the bank, which I think Neil said he saw some people going up the bank at half time. You, you wouldn't have argued with them. Do you think last week we were on the Radio Northampton Cobblers show and one of the other things that Mark Webber asked us, and actually he asked me first, was about how Northampton fans, there seems to be this you know, perception from outside of the football club that, that as fans, we are quite negative and we do like to get on the players' backs an awful lot. Now, I kind of went, do we, at the time? And I was sort of like a bit taken aback by that. And I'm not suggesting that Mark was actually saying it was the fans' fault that all of this, you know, turgid season has happened for the last two years at least. Um but looking back at it, actually, having had the few days now to sort of actually think about it, I'm starting to see where where he's coming from. And that, you know, it's not just in the stands on a match day, but it's on social media, all over the internet, every single, every corner of the internet that you'll find Cobblers fans, you'll simply find lots and lots of moaners. Now, one of the things that's really summed it up for me in the last couple of days is Matt Grimes has just won and he's wiped the floor with all the plaudits that Swansea City can provide to their players. He's won the Fans Player of the Year. He's won the Players Player of the Year at that club. And yet you look at how he was treated by the fans when he was here. And I'm not saying that I wasn't one of those fans, you know, at all. But we didn't exactly think he was that good. And yet he's gone and played in the championship for a full season now with Swansea. And he's, according to their fans and their players, been the best player on the pitch all year long. Yeah, which isn't the first time it's happened, is it? With players going away from here and and uh, either scoring bags of goals when they haven't here or keeping you know, keeping teams up or being in, in big promotion teams and stuff. Um, it happens quite a lot. With Grimes in particular, I thought he was played in completely out of position last season. So I think he was playing a lot more defensively than than perhaps he is this season and not being able to express himself quite a lot. I don't think he got on with Hasselbank uh, very well, which I don't think a lot of people did. And obviously he's gone back to Swansea and he's got um, Graham Potter in, who's a fantastic manager who's done a lot of good things with minimal resources, um, obviously with with uh, the team in Sweden that he was with. And he's been given the chance this to, to flourish. And sometimes he's been playing at wing-back, sometimes he's playing midfield. And he just seems to have really kicked on. Um, so fair play to him. Um, I think on the wider issue of the moaning thing, I think to me it's there's two parts to it. And I think one part is the people who go to moan and they're, they're, they're set to moan whatever happens. And they go with a mindset of, I'm going to turn up to Cobblers to moan because we've had people like that for years and years when we've been top of the league or second in the league. I think, and there's also on the other side of that, there's there's fans who go and who will generally show frustration, which I think is what we get at the minute. is It's not particularly moaning. It's just a lot of frustration going on. Um, and since the invention of social media, we've, we're just, there's obviously a lot more visibility in that online as well, straight after the match. But I think at the moment to me, it's, it's frustration and it's really a lot of anger because of the way we're playing. Um, and I, I just, I don't think we've had enough to not moan about and not show frustration about this season. Um, but definitely interesting to hear that other people's perceptions of it that are not particularly from Northampton and not Cobblers fans from, from when they're born and sort of come here to play about how they perceive us from afar, which is really, really interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said at the time, I, I was, you know, I was like, no, I don't think you can. And I don't think we are any different to, to anywhere else. But when you do look back at it and you think to yourself, actually, may, maybe we are. Maybe maybe we are just a bit more, you know, decidedly narcissistic in our way of wanting to basically put our own players down and and constantly tell them that we're not good enough and maybe it's not about the actual not even restricted to the players but to the club I saw on uh, the message board over the last couple of days so that there's the rumor of the two non-league players about to sign potentially for us over the summer for next season and there's the lad who's the striker from Stockport County who have just won the Conference North, is it? They've just won? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and somebody actually wrote on there saying, um, saying rumor has it that he signed a two year contract with us. And someone's the immediate response and reply to it was to say, how on earth have we managed to convince him to come here? And I, I just kind of think, well, why wouldn't he? Yeah, 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 you're right. Um, this is Matty Warburton, wasn't it? The player. Um, and it, I mean, you can't win with some people, can you? It's, um, it's, it's either you sign a player from above up the league who they're saying, oh, he hasn't played for so and so long, he's got a poor record, or or you sign someone from non league who they suddenly say, what are we signing players from non league for? It's, you, you can't win with a lot of people. And I don't know if it's the same at other clubs, so I don't really know how. How we compare to other clubs when they when this happens to them or, or what they've been up to on on social media and stuff and in the ground. Um, I don't go to that many games that aren't cobblers games, so it's difficult to to completely tell how we do compare. That's it, isn't it? Because we just go to cobblers games mostly on the most part. I mean, I go to you know a random match usually once or twice a season because it's other friends supporting them or we just choose to go to a random match somewhere in Manchester. Um, but you, you don't see that kind of thing. You're not paying attention to it. And because you're you're just watching the game for a bit of a laugh, you don't. I, I, I don't think that I, I tend to notice what's going on in the stands that much because you, it's more of a social thing of, Group of group of mates just sort of hanging out and watching a football match, um, but it is kind of strange to me how people from outside see us as being so negative. But in a way, I think it's probably the truth. Unfortunately, um, so going back to the actual game, Danny. Obviously, the first half was absolutely shocking. Um, what do you put that down to? Do you think it is just end of season, nothing to play for, and we're already on the beach? Or is it the same issues we've had all season, just coming to the fore once more? Um, I think there's an element of the fact of uh, people being on the beach, as you say. Um, but I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why you would do it. Why would you, why would you drift through a game? It's, it doesn't make sense to me when you're a professional footballer and you're, you, you need to play for your future or you need to play you just need to play with some sort of pride and we didn't play with any sense of pride in individual performances in that first half and against a team that were clearly low on confidence and we saw what happened later on and we'll come on to that but as soon as we equalised obviously since we scored even the first goal Yeovil just completely looked shattered and I think if we we start on the front, front foot in that game we would have completely hammered them because we've got players who are comfortable and they're decent players at League Two level. They're not great, but they're decent enough players to, to be able to see off a, a team like that. And it's just frustrating to see us just drifting through games. And I, I think that was part of it. And what, I mean, I don't understand why there wasn't any changes at half time, but I know there was definitely a rocket up their asses at half time because they came out about five minutes before the second half. So um, something happened in there, I think. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you is what, what actually changed, do you think, for the second half? Because obviously we're, we we go in 2-0 down, pe- people are booing um, as the players walk off the pitch at half-time. Um, but they come out second half and it sounded to me, listening to it on the radio, like it was a completely different game. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, getting that goal early on-ish in the second half just completely changed the tides. Um and you could tell there's a bit more intense about us and we just needed to show that in the first half because we would have, like I said, we would have just hit the ground, hit them, hit the ground running and really hit them for quite a few, I think. And you could tell us, you know, Andy Williams chased the ball down, put a good cross in and that was one of the most ridiculous own goals you'll see, <laughs> which sort of sums up their second half of the season, I think. And as soon as that goal went, you think we're going to come back and win sort of 4-2, 5-2. Um, and I think you could just see not only us kicking on a bit, but Yeovil just completely looked visibly looked shattered when that first goal went in and their confidence drained completely. And you kind of compare it to some of the teams that we've had. We've watched the Cobblers teams in the past when we've been battling relegation, you know, something just drops and, and we took complete advantage of it and we should have, we should have won it really. So do you think that there were any players that did their reputation any good 
on Saturday maybe got themselves into a position of changing Curl's mind? He's, he's already said that he kind of knows who he wants to keep and who he doesn't. Do you think any of them have actually managed to, to change his opinion on them? No, I don't think. The only one I would say is potentially Sean McWilliams. Um, I know he's been in the news this week for his fake wash bags and his designer things and bits and bobs that Carl just doesn't like. And, <laughs> and uh, he's, he's been out of the team for a couple of weeks. And I think he came on and he looked like he wanted to prove a point. He was snapping into tackles again and his passing was crisp again. And he back to the Sean McWilliams of this time last year that we had quite high expectations for. And I think personally to me, he has looked like he's dropped off um, the last couple of months and his standard hasn't been as high as it was. Um, whether that's personality clash with Curl or not, I'm not sure. But he's one that's, that I think we've got to be quite careful with because I think he has the has real potential to kind of be here for the future. And it it does look like he, he responded in the right way, which is good. And potentially good man management, like Neil said, I think, um, on the day from Curl, if he has got that performance out of him. I mean, one player that does look like hasn't managed to change Curl's mind and, and much to the disgruntlement, I think, of a lot of the fans, uh, John Joe O'Toole looks to be heading out of Sixfields by the looks of it over the summer. And we didn't get to say goodbye, did we? We didn't. And that was a shame, I thought. It's, um, it's teased us as well. It sent John Joe out down the line um, to warm up as well. I don't know if they, you picked that up on the radio or not. Um but he was warming up for a good 20 minutes or so before the end. So you think, oh, he's going to get on and get the last kind of five or 10 minutes and get get his sort of, what do you call a reverse standing ovation onto the pitch, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, that was, maybe that was Curl sending him out to get his applause. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> so he did get a good a good, uh, good ripple as he came down the line, but I think we were all expecting him to come on. And it was a uh, strawberry. Strawberry ripple, good. Yeah. A bit, of a, a bit of a ripple. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a shame, wasn't it? I think O'Toole on Twitter is uh, continuing his meltdown, um, <laughs> which is a, which is understandable, I think. Um, but John Joe, to me, hasn't been as much of a figurehead in the last couple of years to me as he potentially has for other people. But I still think it was a shame that he didn't get on and get that kind of recognition Um and I think fans are right to not be happy about that because he, he still had one sub left. Is mm-hmm. there's nothing on the game, and he'll probably come on and give the ball away, and that'll be that. But <laughs> if he's anything like his last couple of games, um, but yeah, I think I think we've got a right not to be happy about that. And potentially he Curl thought uh, Oldham might be his last guy, and he might do something there. But obviously, you want the home fans to have a good, a nice little goodbye. There definitely wasn't enough people at the end when they did their lap of whatever it was at the end of the game. <laughs> lap of shame, maybe. I don't know. What was it? <laughs> I don't know. Just, I, liked it. I, I watched it because the, the club put two videos of it out on Twitter. And, and I, I watched it and I just sort of went, the players almost look embarrassed themselves to be doing this. Well, they do. They, and and it's But that's the reflection of the season, isn't it? They, you know, you, you have a season like that and I think with we have done better than we thought we would do um, once Curl came in and stuff. And I think he's done, probably done a better job than a lot, probably give him credit for, but it was, it was an awkward send off and I wasn't there. I'd, I'd gone by that point. And I, and I just don't, I don't think we have any affection for this group of players, which again says a lot. Um, if there'd been, one or two players that you think you're going to be really upset about that leaving, that are doing that, you might stay and see them off. But to me, it's it's a reflection of what's happened, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I will maybe point out is that according to the club, the players do not know whether they're in Curl's plans or not. And they won't know mm-hmm. until Monday next week. So giving... You know, putting John Joe onto the pitch simply for him to take the the, the applause and the cheers and the, the thanks for you know four years of of good service or five years, however long it's actually been, um, and the same with Buchanan as well. He wasn't on the pitch either. Um, they don't know whether they are. I mean, they've probably got an inkling. Don't get me wrong, but they don't know for definite. 
whether they're in his plans or not. So why would Curl do that when he hasn't actually told the players yet face-to-face? That's the only thing that I kind of think to myself, in his defence, I can come up with. That's it. Mm, Potentially. I think... To me, it's a control thing with Curl, isn't it? He likes, I think he likes to be in control of every single thing and he's not going to bring someone on for sentimental reasons. Uh, he's not going to, it's just not going to be like that. And I think with John Joe in particular, I think he, he said on the radio, didn't he, last week that it might be good for him to seek passage new elsewhere, which I think gave fans a little bit of a, an inkling in their heads that, of what's going to happen. I think when he said that, it, it kind of triggered something in the fans' minds to think, yeah, he's probably likely to be off. So um, that's probably where a lot of the anger came from, that we kind of know that it's not going to be here and it's the end of his contract and it's going to be off somewhere. Um, so I think that's where that came from. It'd be a great... Great joke for Cole to pull now if he suddenly signs them, wouldn't it? Just be like, if he just signs all of them. Yeah, yeah, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely everyone. Ash Taylor included. <laughs> well, he's still got a year left, doesn't he? Ash yes, Taylor. he has. Well, imagine if he gives him a new two-year contract. <laughs> I think Neil would, would, would go into meltdown. <laughs> oh, dear. So at least we finished the home league season with... Well, not a defeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sums it up. What's that? How many draws is that? Is that near? I think, did I read somewhere it's like a club, a joint club record or something? Oh, it might be. Do you, want to, do you want to check it? Should we check it? I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all cobblers to me. So, uh, interesting fact, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so, it is, in fact, uh, equaling our joint record home draw Records. <laughs> if that makes any That's sense good. at all. So um, we've drawn. We've so drawn we've, the most uh, home games in a season since we've ever since drawn. when? Since do you want to hazard a guess? I will hazard a guess. Was it ninety eight, ninety nine? That wonderful, oh, that wonderful pro star kit with the <laughs> the falling stars. <laughs> the falling stars in more ways than one, wasn't it? Indeed. Um, yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. Amazing guess. Thank you. Um, it's, it's like we found yeah. this out before. We've equaled, <laughs> we've equaled our club record home draws in a season. I, I, I can't think of a better way to have signed off the oh. home, home games, can you? <laughs> I, can't. I was walking away from uh, Sixfields or the PTS. Um, Academy Stadium. Thinking, exactly. Um, thinking I'm... Quite relieved that we've got the summer now. I mean, usually, you walk away from the last home game of the season. It's been sunny, it's been hot, and you've you've had a lovely old time with a beer and whatever. And this time we've walked away. It's been a windy, wet, dreary afternoon. It's just kind of sums it all up. And you just think, oh, I'm glad the summer's here now, um, which is a shame. But again, a reflection of the whole season. So in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be doing a full review of the season. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, but now normally it would be time for Neil's post bag. But because Neil's not here and he didn't bring his post bag and leave it here with us last week, um, we don't have anything to talk about. So I thought we'd talk about that really interesting two things that happened in the championship this weekend. Number one well, was was that thing that happened at Leeds United was rather funny, wasn't it? It was, it was depending on who you're, who you're looking for. You know, I didn't have any horses in the race, I guess, uh, as you would say. I didn't really care if uh, Leeds or Villa won, apart from the fact that it sent Chris Wilder, which I don't know if is the other, the other part of your championship special, Charles. It sure is. Um, great, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But the Leeds game, if, um, if no one's seen it... Um, then look it up because there's, there's some great clips on Twitter of it. It was live on Sky, so there's some some good uh, quality clips in it. But um, basically, I think Villa had had a point in the game earlier where they kicked the ball out for Leeds. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I think uh, they, Villa were on the attack and a Leeds player went down injured. And so Villa put it out for a for a throw in, you know, the old sportsman like yeah, conduct thing in the bob. Yeah. Um, yeah, which you kind of just come to expect, yeah. don't you? And, you're going to do it. So, so Leeds are in a similar position. A Villa player goes down in the centre circle. Their left back, I think it was, pretends to put it mm-hmm. out, feigns to put it out and actually plays the ball down the line. <laughs> and uh, was it Click, the Leeds player? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. He, he cuts inside and just, what, no, the Villa defence is a static and he just waltzes in and curls the, 
Cole's a goal in. Everyone goes mental. There's a big scuff, scuffle. Um, Patrick Banford goes down when someone brushes his t-shirt, holding his head. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, it's a bit of a, a bit of embarrassing, wasn't it? Just a bit. And then and then for Bielsa, the Leeds manager, to actually be screaming and shouting to to just let Villa have a goal back and just let Villa score. I mean, I thought that was first of all. I thought that was great. To make it even better was the Leeds United captain Janssen, who didn't get the message and clearly didn't want Villa to equalise. The only player in a Leeds United t- uh, shirt that actually was like, he was adamant, I'm going to tackle you. And uh, he very nearly did. It's amazing. I mean, the, I think the Leeds fans were urging him on as well, weren't they? And there was, I mean, some of, I don't know what the fuss is about really, because Ash Taylor's been letting uh, players waltz through and score all season, so it's, it's no news to us. But, um, <laughs> for the Leeds one, he, he he just couldn't. He didn't know what was going on, did he? He didn't. He didn't see what the fuss was about. He was about to boot it into Rose's head, um, and then he had his players surrounding him afterwards, just having a go at him for sort of telling him what what he should have been doing. But I think on the on the Bielsa point is quite interesting because the way he's been portrayed since he's come in has been this kind of gruff guy from overseas who's had all this success and he's got his ways and methods and he's done some dodgy things in Spygate and all that kind of thing. So for him to show a little bit of sportsmanship was great, I thought. Um, I thought he did well to to uh, tell his team to carry on um, and let, let's let him walk through and yeah, score. Well, you could argue that or you could say that he was just afraid that John Terry might do something to him if he hadn't have allowed that to happen. <laughs> It's true. I mean, to upset Frank Lampard and John Terry in your first season is quite impressive and uh, quite laudable. I think he clearly just hates Chelsea. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the the question that I've got for you, there's there's actually two things I wanted to ask you about this. So we'll we'll start off with with the actual, what happened with the goal, Danny, that Leeds has got. I mean, do you think that Leeds should have played on or do you think they should have knocked it out of play? Um, I I was trying to put myself in our position and what would have happened if it was us. I think uh, it's difficult, isn't it? But I, th- I I think morally, I think you'd like to see us kick the ball out because whenever you come back to that goal again, whatever it does to your season and stuff, you always think there's something on it. There's something dirty about it in some ways um, and it will divide people, I think. But I think to me, the right thing to do would have been to kick it out. Um, as Villa had done earlier. Um, well, yeah. in that case then, I mean, because th- this is where I differ with from you, I think, with this. A few years ago, the referees were, were told that they would only stop the match if there was a head injury. So that's a rule that's been in the game for now at least a couple of seasons. Um, and it... What, what the... What, the rule was put in place to basically turn around and say, look, you play to the whistle, regardless. You play to the whistle. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's all that Leeds have really done. Now, you could argue and say, and, and I think many people will do, is that the left-back for Leeds, I think it was Tyrone Roberts, um, does feign to make it look as though he's going to kick it out of play, and then he doesn't. And that's the bit, I think, that is actually the worst part of all of it is that it the, the Villa players stop because it it's made to look like he is going to kick the ball out of play. And then when he doesn't, he's gained an unfair advantage morally. Um but it's not yeah. so but had 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 he not done that and had he actually just car- just actually you know carried on playing and not made it look like he was going to stop the play, then I don't think anybody could have any complaints. And then I don't think that, you know, Leeds would have let Villa equalise because I, th- I still think it would have been a fair goal. The referee didn't stop the game and therefore Leeds were entitled to attack. Um, and that's that, that for me is actually where I think teams shouldn't be putting the ball out of play because of the fact that they think, oh, it's sportsmanlike to do this. They should just play to the whistle because then they can't be caught out by a team doing this to them, like Villa have done, essentially. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I think they probably should have played to the whistle a bit more, the Villa players as well, and carried on. But I think by that point, they'd, they'd got built it up in themselves, their rage that they hadn't stopped and there was no stopping them after that. And I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me, I don't think. 
the whole thing. Um, and I do question as well whether Bielsa would have said the same thing had Sheffield United lost the, the day before. Um, so had it not been essentially, you know, impossible to catch Sheffield United, mm. I do wonder what he would have done had that, and we would never know probably, but had it been the case when there were like three points behind mm. them or something, um, would his thoughts have been different maybe in terms of letting Villa through? Um yeah, but um, <laughs> looking forward to the championship playoff final. Let's see if it's these two anyway. <laughs> I do think that that'll be a corker if that happens, won't it? If it's Villa against Leeds in the, at Wembley, that it'll be Ashley Corker. Oh, be lovely. So the uh, the only other the other question I had about this game for you was was Danny in in regards to the way that Villa equalised. If you were a Leeds fan. How would you feel, do you think? Because the Leeds fans behind that goal celebrated it as if it was the winner and a true goal. So to then have to watch their team just allow Villa to equalise, no matter how they would have maybe gone, I imagine half of them would have been like that, going, no, that's fair play. I can, uh, you know, okay, fine. It's the right thing to do. But I can imagine it being... In the stand, if that was a cobbler's game and it was us allowing the other teams, I, I wouldn't be happy with it. No, I suppose if it's your team, you, you think about it a little bit differently. But again, I think with a bigger picture of it, you will, to me personally, I, I always think, say that was the, the second to last game of our season and we scored that goal to get into the top three. I'd always think there's a tinge of something about it, if you know what I mean. There was, I'd always feel like there was something about it that wasn't quite right. Um but that's just that's just me. I don't mm. know. Well, the other thing that, of course, happened over the weekend, and mainly because of what happened uh, between Leeds and Aston Villa, was Sheffield United have been promoted to the Premier League. Chris Wilder, on, Chris. Alan Neil have done a fantastic job, and we would like to send our congratulations to all the Sheffield United fans that listen to this podcast. <laughs> all of them. Can I, can we give them a round of applause? Round of applause. Well done, Sheffield United. And, uh, not to mention uh, Matt Prestige as well is also there. I Indeed, yeah. So yeah, oh, I mean, just, just salivating at Wilder and Nil in the Premier League and free kick routines that Alan Neil's going to produce and just bewilder Pep on the sidelines and oh, it's just I can't wait. I really can't wait to see Chris Wilder and Alan Neil just do their thing in the, in the Premier League. I think they'll do all right. I think they're going to surprise a few people. Like the first six months or so, they'll be because they've got what they've got centre backs running forward. They've got You've got players who you just don't think are Premier League players, but they will turn out to be just because of what Wilder does to a club. He just brings mm. this magic to a club, doesn't he? That you don't necessarily have to have these high-profile players that he just... And I think I saw that something like five or six of their players started in Wilder's first game in League One, five, five of the yeah. players that that, uh, that started the game the other day. And it's just amazing just what he's done to to not just them, to us, to uh, to Halifax, to a certain extent to Oxford as well. Um, no, Not that they'll admit it anymore, but um, mm. that kind of vibe he gets around the club is just incredible. And some of the scenes on Twitter in the, over the last few days have been just amazing seeing the celebrations and I think there was one of Wilder stumbling around Sheffield earlier today which was incredible um, but yeah, it but, just it brings it all back doesn't it to yeah. when when he won League 2 for us you know and, and it it just you know makes you feel so I, I felt so proud for him I watched the Sheffield United game on on, on Saturday evening and I, at the end of the game I know it wasn't completely mathematically done at that point but at the end, it was more, I think it had to be, you know, a huge goal swing, didn't it, to actually yeah. make sure that Leeds could have knocked them off of uh, their, their perch in second. But I, I, I was literally looking at it and I was just feeling so overwhelmed with pride. You know, mm-hmm. Sheffield United have never been a club that I've particularly liked. I mean, if you go back to when Neil Warnock was in charge in, in when they were in the Premier League and the whole Carlos Tevez situation that, that sent them down um, instead of saga. West Ham. I think you have to call it a saga, Charles. Yeah, the saga there. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I never really liked Sheffield United, but now, I, because of because of Chris Wilder, there, there's just something there that, that makes me just beam with pride to mm. see them in the Premier League next season. On match of the day, no less. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> in, uh, then just... What you think of it as well, if they do well in the Premier League, could we be seeing Wilder and Nil at the England helm taking over from Southgate 
Oh, don't make me dream. Can you imagine the dream. It's like, do you know what it's like? It's like a non-league to legend football manager save. But it is, isn't it? It's, it's, it is one of them things, and it's his boyhood club as well. And you, you kind of sometimes go on to football manager playing in non-league, don't you? And then you suddenly you're always kind of hoping for that call from the cobblers to come and come and uh, fulfil your dreams of playing in the Premier League. And what it must be to him, you see, I see how emotional he was, and you can't help but be be uh, apper for him, can you? Um, just brilliant, brilliant stuff. It is brilliant, and the, and the best things for me are just seeing an incredibly happy, even more drunk. Chris Wilder, yeah, <laughs> in videos plastered over the internet. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't he? He's so just yeah, if you haven't seen it, just just go to Twitter and type in Chris Wilder. You'll have a couple of hours of uh, non-stop entertainment there. Um, I think we should um, try and organise a friendly with him because I think that'd be really good to see um, before they go into the Premier League to see Wilder back and Wilder and Neil back. Um, the home friendly or something would be really good. It would be good. And I know that um, one of the things that was mentioned in this Q&A that Kelvin Thomas let slip was that two friendlies have been arranged already. Now, I wonder whether one of those he's talking about is the one that's going to happen when we're away in Spain. Um, but Could Solby Rangers possibly be one, do we think? <laughs> that's probably one that's on, that's already booked in before the season starts. Yeah, season, sure. I, I would have thought so, but then, but then that's always away, isn't it? So I, I, I get the well, yeah, feeling. Well, yeah, want to be playing the mind. No, no, no. but I get the feeling. There was definitely one. Kelvin said there was definitely the big one, the, the last one before the season starts. Is one of them yeah. that's not been a that, that is definitely by the sounds of it been agreed it's just a case of we can't announce it until the other club are ready. And I would love it to be. I'd love it in a Kevin Keegan style to be Sheffield United and and just you you'd get a full house at Sixfields I think for that friend no, just to definitely. just literally for the fans to congratulate Chris and Alan and and Matt yeah. as well and yeah. you know the only person that I would say if that does happen that isn't allowed to be there Billy Sharp yeah yeah he's not allowed no go away <laughs> I think we should form a guard of honour to bring him out and then when Billy Sharp's at the end put him at the end of the of the run out queue and then just block off the guard of honour in fact, we, in fact what we should do is I think we should invite all of the League 2 championship winning side to come and walk through that guard of honour with Sheffield United almost as mascots um, and then what we do is we also have we also invite Luke Chambers back literally just to punch Billy Sharp in the face You've been Sam Hoskins holding Leon Clark's hands as he comes out. <laughs> oh, dear. I forget that little Sammy Hoskins was part of that team. Oh, mate, you'll never let us forget it. That's brilliant. So, yeah, congratulations to the Sheffield United. Yeah. Congratulations to Chris Wilder, Alan Neal, and Matt Prestige. Absolutely fantastic. I'm Chris Freestone, and it's all cobblers to me. So the last game of the season sees us make the trip to the coldest ground in the Football League to take on Oldham Athletic. It's the second season in a row we have faced the Latics on the final day after last year's two-all draw saw both teams relegated to League Two. No such excitement is expected this year, however, with both clubs sure of being in League Two again next season. So it's a bit of a dead rubber, isn't it, Danny? It most certainly is a dead rubber. That rubber is being lowered into the ground to be buried uh, for good. Um, And I think it's about time. It's the biggest dead rubber since the big dead rubber of 1922, (laughs) which was pretty big. That was a a very big rubber. Yes, you're right, Danny. (laughs) I don't know where you've gone with that, I'll be honest. I I have no idea. I'm trying to make it interesting, but it's not really worked. No. Oldham... Uh, Interested in your big rubber, though. Thanks, Danny. Um, Oldham do have another game to play, which is uh, tonight, Tuesday night, away at Newport. Now, Newport can technically make the playoffs. It's still mathematically possible for them to do so. Oldham... No chance, even though Neil believed, didn't he? I think a couple of weeks back. He was back. in the Oldham training. He was, he was, he was proper. I th- he was back in his youth, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I forget he was uh, from Oldham originally or something, wasn't he? Yeah, well, his family, I think. I don't know whether he is, Oldham. but yeah, his family are definitely from Well, Oldham. he's not here to defend himself, so uh, Neil's an Oldham fan. <laughs> Clearly. That's it, yeah. He's he's getting his Oldham fan uh, his Oldham fan jacket out. What? He's, <laughs> he, he's dusting it down from the yeah, cupboards. dot <laughs> Um Maybe Neil can come on and do the uh do the away fans. Maybe that's it, yeah. We'll get Neil to do the away fan. Yeah, we haven't got an Oldham fan this week, mainly because well, actually the real reason is that we just thought, does it really matter? We don't need to speak to someone from Oldham. I tried to get Paul Scholes, but he walked out. <laughs> so it, I just thought, well, no, forget it. This week, we'll just go it alone and, and we'll see how we do. Um, so, yeah, so Oldham will probably... I'm, I'm going to say they'll probably come away from Newport with either a win or a draw. I don't think they'll lose that. So we'll go into the final game of the season. It won't matter for either side. And it will just be a chance for... I don't know, maybe about four or 500 Cobblers fans just to basically cheer this team off into the sunset and hope they never see the likes of Sam Hoskins and Ash Taylor ever again. Outrageous. Um, it's not going to be the most interesting. Well, it might be. It might be a, st- a barnstormer, but it's not going to be anything important. Do you think we're going to go and fancy dress or anything? Are we going to have any Sam Hoskins masks or... Ash Taylor wigs or stuff like anything like that. I, I, I don't think there is anything, is there? Really? I mean, the 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 ultimate away football fan last day of the season fancy dress always belonged to Hartlepool, didn't it? Uh, with their umpalumpers yes, and, and their so. star troopers and, and goodness knows who, uh, what else that they they went as in in their many many seasons in the football league. Um, I think we've only really done it once before, haven't we? With uh, Kenny Doucher, every, and not even everybody did that. It was about a handful of about 50 of us went as uh, doctors, didn't we? Indeed. I mean, I mean the, club were, um, the club on that point were advertising for a club doctor last week, weren't they? They were, um, yes. <laughs> was, um, quick to point that in the direction of Mr. Duca, so hopefully we might be back. That, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be absolutely. <laughs> a turn up for the books, that would be. The one thing that maybe everybody could do um, to go to Oldham is may- maybe everyone just goes wearing a coat, <laughs> just a coat. Just no, not, not just a coat. Just just the fact that everybody has to wear a coat because it's the coldest ground in the football league. I mean, it's not original, Danny, well, but I never said it was. Not hugely. <laughs> maybe it's just going shorts as a um. What do you call it? What prote- everyone pretends to be a Newcastle fan is that you what know. you're saying? Rage Against the Machine or Rage Against the Wind, as it is. <laughs> it's going shorts. Everyone in shorts. Oh, um, I mean, it's getting to that point where you just, there's, there's nothing, is there? Nothing you can cling on to. There's no players who are leaving that are going to be massively impactful and have, have that sentiment, obviously, because they don't know or none of us know. Um, maybe just make it keep cold, eh? Everyone brings designer... Um, wash bags. What do you call it? Designer wash bags and Bose headphones and... Everyone comes like that. <laughs> Everyone comes as a modern day footballer. Let's let's see if we can get it trending, and then there can just be one person that brings a a, a rubbish bag, a bin liner, just like Harry Maguire did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm uh, putting my money on Neil for that <laughs> yeah. one. So Oldham, Oldham's form then, discounting their game at Newport, obviously, is a uh, they've won two, lost one, and drawn two, so a fairly average last five games they've uh, they've got a goal difference of 12 which is quite good considering where they are in the table which is uh, 13th um currently um that might change of course by the time we reach saturday um but they've they've scored 65 goals this year they've also conceded 53 and their top goal scorer is callum lang who has scored 15 goals in all competitions um the next highest goal scorer is um former Rushton player Chris O'Grady uh, he scored 10 goals so doesn't count doesn't count is that because he was an ex-Rushton player yeah right doesn't count wiped on the record fair enough fair enough Danny I think that's fair to say um so before we get to predictions who's the referee this week Danny Thomas Bramall um that's interesting we were talking about Sheffield United earlier um Thomas Bramall Thomas Bramall Lane let's call him um he refereed our 2-0 defeat at Port Vale in September when he sent off Mr. Aaron Pierre. So not a good omen for that one. Um, and he's shown 99 yellow cards this year. So he's going for the big 100. 
Sounds like there a song, go. Matt, doesn't what it? Going for the big 100 or 99 yeah. yellow cards? 99, 99 yellow, yellow cards. Yeah. He's going for the for the record like Mike Dean was with his red cards. He's going for his big 100. So I wonder who's going to get the first oh. 100th booking of his season. You put a bet on. We could do. We could put a bet on with Bonus Library, couldn't we? We could. Uh, what's the website address for them? Let's I'm just have a look now. Bonuslibrary.co.uk forward slash cobblers to me, Danny. Ooh, very good. Very good. Oh, spells it wrong. Ooh, <laughs> something different. <laughs> so should we get our predictions then? Um, first off, um, I'll let you know what uh, Neil's prediction was. Neil is just going for a very, very, very simple nil-nil draw. Um, that's it. A nil-nil draw, in fact. Well done, Danny, for making a brilliant pun. Um, <laughs> said no one said ever. No one ever. Yeah, so Neil's, <laughs> so Neil's going for a, a very entertaining nil-nil draw. He does believe that there's going to be a red card in that match, though. He believes that David Cornell's going to get sent off, Ash Taylor's going to go in goal, and turn out to be the greatest goalkeeper of all time. Well. Good prediction. Is that uh, like the greatest showman? It's going to make a movie out of it. I, well, so, in about a hundred years' time, uh, how a uh, little, well, a big defender uh, just was milling around, not knowing what was going to happen. He's had a bad season, and suddenly he gets this chance to go in goal, and he's just the most amazing goalkeeper that the world's ever seen. And he goes on to play for England in the World Cup under Chris Wilder. <laughs> we can only, we can all dream, Danny. We can all dream. Um, my prediction, um, I, I'm, I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a two-all draw. So the same as last season, I think, I think because, you know, we played Oldham last season on the last day of the year. Um, we're going to get another two-all draw. And goal scorers for me are going to come from, I think Andy Williams is going to get one. And I'm going to go with Scott Pollock. I think Scott Pollock might get a goal this week. Um, we've we've all sort of said Scott Pollock for the last four or five weeks, or however many games he's played, three games. So the last three weeks probably is more accurate. Um, and he's bound to get one at some point. So Scott Pollock for me. He will if we just keep saying Exactly, yeah. yeah. Unless he turns out to be an incredibly goal-shy footballer. Uh, I've got to point out at this point that I did predict an own goal last week. Uh, I did predict 5-1, but I did call the over own goal. You did, yes. I'm impressed, Danny. Well done. You're not, are you? No, not really. What's your... Uh... <laughs> What's your prediction? Giles Coke's still there, by the way. Giles Coke's still listed as an Oldham player. Doesn't count. Is he, does he still exist? Have you got a prediction ready yet, Vandy? Oldham. Oldham. I think we're going to lose. Um, and I think we're going to lose 3 1. I think Oldham are going to score three, um, obviously, because I've predicted 3 1. Um, I think they're going to score three in the first half and they're going to drop off. And then we're going to score one in like the 97th minute or something. And our away contingent is going to go absolutely mental. Just for the fun of it. Which is. I think involves you and Neil at the moment. It, it does. It does involve me and Neil. We will be there. Um, if you do see us there, then what we're going to actually be doing is is getting your opinions on how the season has gone. Now, I know we can probably guess that, but we want your opinion. So if you see us about, if we come up to you and ask you, uh, do you mind being recorded? We're going to just ask you what your opinion of the season is. We're going to ask you for your, your favourite moment of the season, your worst moment of the season, and, and just a general overview of how you think it's gone and what you're looking forward to happening what you're looking forward to seeing happen next season as well um that will be for a special podcast that will come out probably in the next four weeks or so um but yeah come and come and say hello if we come over to you and and and, and say hello we'll, we'll probably have a drink in our hands it'll all be fine and and we'll put lots of videos up on twitter as well who's your cobbler's goal scorer danny um Sam Hoskins, obviously, he's got to round it off with a Hoskins goal, haven't we? He hasn't quite got to the 10 that I predicted. Um, but I think he's done all right. Has he got six? I think he's got six, I yeah. Yeah, round it up to seven. <laughs> I don't know how you round things up to seven, but um, I think that'd be a decent little return for him. I think he's, he's done all right, since you both mocked my predictions. With good reason, Danny, I, I would like to point out as well. <laughs> and what are we going to do if Hoskins goes, by the way? Well, me and Neil are probably going to be quite all right. It's you I'm worried for. Yeah. I mean, I might not be back 
um, in August. That's, uh, it's going to be awkward, that, isn't it? It is, but um, many people will be over the moon with that. So for all of the early odds on this week's game, including for our predictions, go to bonuslibrary.co.uk forward slash cobblers to me. There you can sign up, place your bet, and I believe that the Bonus Library will give you something special as a welcoming gift as well. So that's the end of this week's podcast. My thanks to Danny for actually caring to join me, unlike me, all this week. Make sure you listen next week as we will be back and we'll be looking back over the whole season and we'll be getting your thoughts as well, as long as you're at Oldham. Um, For now, we're all off to buy some new winter coats. It's cold in Oldham. Goodbye. Anyone see my thermals? Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.